This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman, and if this is your first time joining us, finding us online today, I am just so glad that you're here. We come together every Sunday as a body of believers all over the world to do just this. Worship our Lord, unify our faith, dig into God's Word, and learn how to apply it to our lives while we're living in this world. And we're doing that right now in a series called The Real Life Series, Real Truth for the Real World. And today, we're gonna look at something that all of us need, all of us desire, and all of us struggle with, and that's love. So, lots to share with you today, lots to go over, but before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I just pray, Lord, that you will open up our hearts and our ears for exactly what it is that you have for us today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. You are so welcome here. And I just pray for a fresh anointing that I may speak your truth with love. We thank you for how much you love us, Lord. And I just pray that we can learn today to love more like you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, if you joined us, we looked at something that's very challenging for all of us, and that's to wait. What does it look like to wait on the Lord? And this week, we're following that up with what love is. And now tomorrow is Valentine's Day, uh, something that we uh, celebrate here, definitely in the United States. And to do that, we buy cards, uh, flowers, candy, small gifts to give this expression of love in, in a real way. Um, and so I thought it was only appropriate with the Lord gave me all the things that we were going to be talking about. Of course, we're going to be talking about love and it makes sense to talk about that the day before Valentine's Day. So we're going to look at um, what does the world, how does the world view love? How do we view love? And what does the Bible say about love and how we are to love other people? Now, if you look up the definition of love in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, this is what it reads. A feeling of strong or constant affection for a person, attraction that includes sexual desire, the strong affection felt by people who have a romantic relationship. I'm reading exactly the way the Merriam-Webster Dictionary reads. So if you don't really know about love and you're going to the dictionary to find out what love is, well, really you're learning that love is a feeling. Love is something to do with uh, desire, a romantic love, a physical love. And that's really not what love is at all. So close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving and listening. Imagine this candle that's lit. 
like a flame that burns. The world describes love as something that's hot, something that's exciting, something that's pretty, something that's quick. And just like a candle, it's fleeting and will eventually burn out. And when it does and the candle burns out, you just go and get another candle. This kind of love is easy, messy, and is definitely a lie. This love will fail each and every time. Now, the reason why I believe love is so challenging for us today is because we, in our culture today, look at love in a specific way. We try and love, and we kind of have this viewpoint of what love is. First of all, we think about the way we look at things a lot of times is this throwaway mentality. If something doesn't work anymore, we don't try to fix it. We just throw it away and we go buy something new. And part of that mentality is that we don't make things the way we used to. Back in the day, I think when my grandparents bought their washer and dryer, those things lasted for about 30 years. Same with the refrigerators. I mean, you'd go and buy one refrigerator and it could last you a lifetime of your family. Nowadays, when you go out to buy major appliances, you can hopefully, hopefully get maybe three to five years out of them, depending on what it is. Same with cars. We, we just don't make things the way we used to. We used to build things that lasted for a really long time, but our mentality now is, well, when it wears out, we'll go and we'll get something else. And so there doesn't need to be the, the same quality as there used to be once upon a time. Second, it seems that a person's value isn't the same as what it used to be. Let's look at some of these national statistics. Now these aren't worldwide statistics, but these are national. 24.9 million people are victims of forced labor. Out of that, 16 million people are trafficked for forced labor in a private economy and 4.8 million are trafficked for sexual exploitation. This again is just in the United States. 4.1 million are trafficked for forced labor, imposed forced labor, and that's just in the United States. And I believe that we would see astronomical numbers if we looked at what it is as the whole, the whole world. Each country I'm sure has their own statistics, their own numbers that are alarming. So we're looking at a person's value it doesn't mean as much anymore and, and people are being snatched away and stolen and forced labor, uh, forced sexual acts, forced living to do things that other people want them to do. There's no value to a human life. It can be thrown away and, and moved on. We can also see statistics about value of human life when we look at abortion. 
Worldwide yearly abortions, 56 million babies all over the world. And then we look at how we value our own life, right? What we feel we're worth. Based on 2019 statistics, there were an estimated 1.38 million suicide attempts just in the United States alone, and 47,511 Americans died by suicide just in the United States. When you look at these numbers as a whole, what we hold as a value to human life has deteriorated. And living in this throwaway society, we're now translating that into people. And if someone isn't uh, good enough or we're done with them, we discard them, we throw them away. And this mentality, this culture is coming out in the way that we love other people and the way that we love ourselves. Which leads me to number three, how can we love others when so many of us struggle to love ourselves and, and to take care of ourselves in a way that we need to be taken care of? And part of that brokenness that is in our world is catching up, right? We're seeing things that were planted years ago in generations are now coming into fruition as those people are growing up and having their own families, that this brokenness is continuing. Broken people birth broken people. And we see that in families that are broken, that struggle with addiction, depression, fear, and eventually end in divorce, or maybe they were never married in the first place and they end up splitting up. And those children that came out of that marriage now don't have feelings of identity. All they know is brokenness. All they know is what it's like to hate, to be in a relationship that there's hate and despair and discouragement and brokenness. And so then they go out into the world and they try to find love and the cycle continues. Children are growing up without fathers and mothers, questioning their identity and not knowing really what love is. And we're seeing this generation after generation. And we're seeing this lack of love in everyday experiences. You turn on the news and you see people shooting each other. You see road rage. You see hateful things on social media. You see lawsuits against family members. You see all of these things that are culminating out to social interaction and not knowing how to operate day-to-day -day life and are doing it without love and value and appreciation for anyone. National statistic, another one. Almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction trying to navigate in this broken world, yet only 10% of them will go out and get help 
will look for some kind of help to help them, some kind of treatment. Drug overdose deaths have more than tripled since 1990, and about 20% of Americans who have depression or an anxiety disorder also have a substance abuse disorder. More than 90% of people who have an addiction started to drink alcohol or use drugs before they were 18 years old. You look at the basic fundamental principles of family, trying to navigate in this world with all of these mixed messages, all of these different truths that are coming at us through social media, through television, through radio. You have two parents that are struggling with their own thing, not knowing how to love each other. They break up, they go their own ways, and the children are trying to cope. And what is the one way that you can try and cope in this world? And that is to numb the pain. This is why just in America alone, we are seeing suicide, depression, addiction, and all of this loss. People not knowing how to or receive love. And, and why are we struggling so? Why do we read these statistics and, and, and look at how people don't know how to love, don't know how to value life, don't know how to appreciate and love themselves? And we're struggling because God created us. And so many people out there don't realize that, that God has created them. And above and beyond that, they don't realize that they were designed by God to love and be loved. You see, God is love. It's who he is. It's what he resonates. It's, it's how he is his nature of his being. He created us to be in relationship with him so that we could love him and he could love us in this most perfect, beautiful way that he designed. And yet sin broke in. You go back to Genesis. Eve ate the apple. Adam ate the apple and sin entered the world. And we've been fighting this battle of brokenness, fighting this battle with the enemy who is doing everything he can to distract us from who we truly are and to distract us from God's love. And what we don't realize when we're far from God is that we have this God-shaped hole in our hearts that only he can fill. And so we're walking around missing something we don't even realize we need and trying to fill it up with all of these things of the world, people, addictions, drugs, alcohol, money, fancy cars, things that we think will help make us feel whole. And yet we are more and more thirsty, more and more hungry and more and more discouraged and depressed, no matter what we have, no matter how much is in our bank account, no matter how big our house is, no matter how many people are around us, 
loving us, we've never felt more alone. When you look out into the world today and see all of the brokenness and you see all these people that are hurting and these people that are attempting to kill themselves and you're seeing the abortion and the sex trafficking and the drugs and the addiction, this is not what God's design was. What we are seeing is the other side of what the enemy is trying to do to us, the distracting, the taking us outside of God's love, detouring us away from what he really and truly designed it to be. So what is love? What does love look like in today's world with all the things that we struggle with? Social media and families and marriages and teenagers. What does love really look like? Well, let's take a look at this video so that we have a better understanding of the kind of love God calls us to and how we can navigate in this world with him, with love. Let's take a look. Love is patient. Like not honking the horn when you're already 11 minutes late. Love is kind. It's doing all the chores so she can wake up to a clean house. It does not envy. Being truly joyful when your friend gets the promotion, even if you didn't. It does not boast. Love does not remind your kid of his 20-game losing streak. It is not proud. How about we apologize more often? It is not rude. And let's not value a like over someone's feelings. It is not selfish. Love shares that last cookie. It is not easily angered. It breathes when it wants to scream. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not bring up the past, even though right now it'll be really convenient and totally win me this argument. Good night. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't get excited when people get destroyed online. It always protects. Love always stands guard. Always trusts. Always leans into the promises. Always hopes always sees what's possible always perseveres always gets up one more time love never fails and it's always worth it i love this video by the way it's real life and i've done all of those things right i've waited in the driveway for my kids i've had a fight with my husband and wanted to put him on the couch i've struggled with texting or calling someone trying to understand what they were saying to me uh, all of those things and i think all of us can find one uh, action in that video that can go yep i've i've been there i've done that and and what i want to encourage you though is what did it how did it go <laughs> what did it look like were you operating in your own flesh with your own feelings or were you dealing with it the way God is asking us to handle and deal with those situations? And now while this is a modern day look at love, what we all face, the text that you saw, that you heard, was actually written to us in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul is talking about how love is indispensable. And what we need to do uh, to have love 
And he's writing it, writing it to us in these verses, starting in, in verse 4. In verse 4, he writes, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then he says in verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I love that God gave us the Bible, our GPS, our directions to navigate in this world, and tells us how to love. He knows because he created us and knows that we can't do this in our flesh. We can't do this without him helping us. And the brokenness that we experience while living with other broken people, battling our flesh and the desires that we want as being sinful creatures, right? We want what we want. If we go about it that way, it's going to cause us to go by our feelings and attractions, which is just what Merriam-Webster's dictionary said, love is a feeling, love is a, an attraction. And let me tell you, and I'm sure you already know this, our feelings can change by the day. Sometimes our feelings can change by the minute. And if we are operating, going by our feelings and emotions, how are we gonna ever love anybody? right? Because we're not always going to feel like it. We're not always going to want to. We're going to be emotionally uh, dictating our decisions, our steps forward. And if we're doing that in the flesh, our flesh is always going to want to get its way, always going to want what's best for us. It's never going to want to think about somebody else. Think about a two-year-old sitting on the floor they want what they want, what they want, and they're going to tell you what they want, and they're going to do it in a way where it's teary and yelling and maybe some stomping. That's what we're like when we operate in the flesh. No matter, no matter how many years old we are, no matter how we dress it up, our flesh is still like that two-year-old, and we have to tell it what to do. We have to be mature in Christ to tell that flesh what to do. I know for me, some days, I really feel close to my husband. And it's easy to love him when I feel close to him. It's easy to love him when I feel like it. But there are other days. There are other days when we're not on the same page and he's in a mood and I'm in a mood. And it would be really easy just to say, you know what, I don't want to deal with you right now. I don't like you. And maybe in that moment, you really don't feel like you love them. That feeling of not feeling like it, 
shouldn't dictate how we treat other people. It shouldn't dictate the situation. It shouldn't dictate whether or not I love him in that moment. And this is how we can be mature in Christ, right? Telling our flesh what to do. Love is choosing even when you don't feel like it. Love is choosing to honor commitments in good times and in bad. And these days, it feels like there's a lot of bad, a lot of struggles, a lot of things, a lot of hardships to overcome. Love is choosing to repair the parts that are broken instead of going out and buying something else. Love takes a lot of hard work. And you need to have a solid foundation that you can both stand on. And when things break, you fix them, you repair them, and you move on. Love is loving each other the way God does. God loves us in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our sin, in spite of our failings. And he gives us his word as a love letter to us to help us love other people, to help us make decisions, and to follow the guidelines because he knows us best. He created us, and believe it or not, he loves us the most. More than anyone else in the world, God loves you the most because he created you because he's your father, because he loved you. And he knows what we each need, each of us. And he tells it to us in his word. The Bible is filled with verses to remind you about love. Let's look at some of those today. 1 John 4.19 tells us that we love because he first loved us. That's why we love because God first loved us. Ephesians 4.2 tells us to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Did it say that you should kick your husband out of the bedroom and let him sleep on the couch and that uh, you are always right and he's always wrong and you need to tell him that and rub his face in it? No, it said be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. If there are things happening in your marriage right now or in your relationship, and they're not good things, You need to hate the things that aren't good, the things that are separating you, the things that are causing you to be distant from one another, and you need to cling to what is good in the relationship. Don't camp on the bad stuff. Don't camp on the things that maybe each person did in the past. You have to start over today to forgive and to move forward and to not sin no more. Jesus tells us that. Go and sin no more. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says, Husbands, love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. For me, in my very first marriage that ended, there was this consistent battle. He wouldn't love me and I wouldn't respect him. And we were constantly in lack, constantly needing something and yet couldn't give it to each other. And so I would not feel love from him and then I would disrespect him. And this went back and forth in a circle and the enemy knew exactly what to do so that it wouldn't work. There are times where we have to die to self, to give to that other person, to show them something that they need, even when we are lacking. And when we do that, it's almost like it causes a spark for the other person to go, oh wow, they showed me love or they respected me even when they didn't feel like it. Maybe I need to do that today. I, I need to, to turn over a new leaf. I need to change the way I was, I was working and moving. And, and while it takes two in a relationship to make it work, sometimes there's the one person that needs to put that foot forward to show that they want to change, to show that they want to do something different. And that opens up the door for the other. And you'll find, and I know in my marriage now with my husband, that there are days where we give and take. There are days where I don't have the energy to do it and then he gives more. And there are days that he doesn't have the energy to do it and I give more. We help each other out. That's love. And lastly, John 15, 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. How has God loved us? Well, John 3.16 tells us how he loves us. He sent his one and only son to die on a cross so that we can have everlasting life. I've never seen such a great example of sacrifice than what God did by giving up his one and only son to die on a cross, the most terrible, gruesome death, so that we, you and I, could be able to have this freedom from sin and, and allowing there to be this bridge gap so that we could have full access to the Father and we could have everlasting life. And I think we miss that, right? That's how much God loves us. So how do we love? How do we love each other? How do we love our family, our husbands, our wives, our partners? How do we love the people that we're in relationship? We love the way God loves us. Not the way the world shows us how. Not the way the Merriam-Webster Dictionary tells us how to love, right? With feelings and emotions and this attraction, this physical attraction. We need to love the way God loves us. God's love is unconditional, extravagant, unstoppable. He keeps no records of wrong. 
He meets us right where we are, loves us as we are, and helps us to grow into who he created us to be. When we love God and are willing to serve him, there's this overflow of love that spills out of us and into the people that are around us. And they, they can't help but feel this love. They can't help but see not just us, but God in us, loving them the way they need to be loved. Have you ever witnessed that before? Have you ever gone up to somebody and, and they gave you the kind of smile like they've known you for years and gave you a cup of coffee or offered you to t- offer to take you somewhere or buy you a meal or listen to you as you told them about your day? That's God working through that person to show you how much he loves you. And he's using his people, right, as his hands and feet to love on you, to hug you, to buy you a cup of coffee, to show you how much he loves you. Because he wants us to feel that kind of love as only he can give us, as only he knows how. But it, it starts with us, right? It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with this ability to open up our eyes, to be in God's word, to use his love letter that he wrote to us so that we know how to navigate in this broken world, so that we know how to do things the way God wants us to do, so that we know how to not operate in our flesh, right, but in our spirit and how he, has, he wants to train us up to be. He wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that love is patient and kind, that it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, God's love, never fails. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for how much you love us. And Lord, you knew, you knew when the world was created and sin entered the world that we would be today here in 2022 struggling with love, struggling to value human life, struggling to live in this broken world and would have created these coping mechanisms, right? To to deal, to get through the day, to fill the holes that are in our hearts as we're searching for you. And so I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it shows us how to love one another and it reminds us of how much you love us. Help us, Lord, in our humanness, in our flesh, to to love others the way you love us. Help us to love ourselves and to fill that hole 
that God-shaped hole with nothing but you. I just pray for each person listening today, each person watching, Lord, whatever they're facing, whatever struggle they're going through, that you will meet them exactly where they are, that they will feel your love in a real and tangible way and will walk away today changed, knowing how much you love them. I thank you for this time. I ask that you be with us in this oncoming, oncoming week. And thank you, Lord, for who you are. We love you and praise you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today, for, for being with us. I just pray that you have a blessed week. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.